Into a, into a shop and I see a vegan disc, I will pick it up and I will say, this is the vegan burger that I'm going to eat tonight. Okay. Well, not, I'm not going to like go no. around and start vegan calling disc. it a disc or a, or a Gary or whatever else it might be. Um, <laughs> so have you got any alternative, uh, you know, monikers for vegan sausages then? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> plant fingers. <laughs> well, that sounds awful. Save the planet and make it heal. You can help by eating a vegan Come join us if you're vegan curious. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sarah. And we are... Vegan Curious! Yes, we are. We are very vegan curious. How are you doing, Sarah, anyway? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really well. Um, Are you excited about today's show? I am super excited about today's show. We've got a cracking episode coming up today, haven't we? We do, we do. Because we have Laura Scott. Who is... Well, I was going to say she's like an endurance cyclist, but that's not right, is it? No, it's not. I think she's an ultra-endurance cyclist. So, basically, she cycles more in one day than probably you've done in a lifetime. Oh, like, for ten times over, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I'm not much of a cyclist. Okay, and she's obviously also a vegan, so she's going to talk about nutrition and how she manages it, and basically the dumbass questions that meat eaters ask her all the time. <laughs> So there you yeah, go. exactly. So she's going to be talking a little bit about protein, how to get enough, and the misconceptions around. And can I just say, athletes. Sarah, you're looking fantastic today. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've obviously been doing something. What have you been doing? Um, oh, you're. I know what you're referring to. Uh, yes. Okay. So I've been on a bit of a bit of a health kick. You are looking great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Did um, that sound sincere? No, not okay, at all. But uh, I have been on a bit of a health kick. I've been watching YE. I've been following a whole food diet, and uh, I'm feeling great actually. I'm and feeling the results of it. And we're going to talk a bit about that later. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about vegan diets um, and whether they are helpful if you're trying to lose a little bit of weight, and whether they make you overall a little bit healthier as well. First, we're going to talk about what we've been scoffing. Yes. Our favourite part of the show. Okay. So, what have you been? What have you been scoffing? As you say, we're, aren't you going first? But no, no, I you go first. Quite happy to go first. Yours is more exciting than mine yeah. this time. Okay. Well, Mine's we'll okay. So we'll start with where I've been today. So I've hot-footed it from a restaurant. <laughs> hot-footed it. Hot-footed it from a restaurant in Kensal Rise, which is a place in Northwest London. Have you ever been there? Kensal Rise, yes, yes, but not not to the not to the restaurant that you've been to. Though. Okay, so we went to a place called Comptoir V, which is weird because it's kind of vegan restaurant. Your pronunciation of French uh, is, things and places is getting better, better by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been it's actually been open for about a year, and it, but because of it's sort of a little bit out of the way. Yeah. Apologies to anyone who lives in Kensal Rise. Um, you know, it, it, you know. Again, it doesn't feature on many lists, and um, but what it actually is is a uh, Lebanese vegan restaurant. Um, Mm. and they do um, quite an incredible selection of food actually so there is kind of some of the old uh, vegan junk food staples so they will do things like mac and cheese there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of burgers but then you've got things like hummus and stuff Um, the most interesting thing on the menu okay there are a couple of things well firstly they had tempura shrimp Oh, nice. Which, uh, you know, I was, was kind nice? of, I was kind of forced to have it. I've got like, weird views. I, I never used to like shrimp when I used to eat fish back in the oh, 18th century. Oh, no. I did, yeah. And, and it was, there, was, there was some potato stuff going on there. I mean, there may be a little bit of soya. The batter was quite nice, but it was, it was odd. It was, it was odd. So it wasn't my favourite. But the thing I absolutely loved 
was they did jackfruit fritters or jackfruit nuggets, actually, they call them. Jackfruit and nuggets. Guess what? I sneaked a doggy back out. Did you? So, yeah. So here you are, Sarah Collins, your very own jackfruit nugget. Um, so oh God. it's a funny shape, actually. It's kind of like, it's like a jackfruit squash, isn't it? It's sort of... Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not visually that appetising. It looks like KFC, you. actually, isn't it, really? Don't yeah, you it does, actually. You're right. It's And it's like, it, it's sort of sticky, like yeah. sticky original recipe chicken. But it's kind of got like a, a barbecue-y type... Um, you keep talking, because I'm going to eat All a little right, bit okay. of this now. So it's got a kind of barbecue-y type um, coating. Um, and then just so obviously cook the jackfruit, there's like some various um, various seasonings or sauces added to it. Um, mm. She's putting faces now. Don't you that's good? It's mm. really good. Now, I've got to say, that is the best jackfruit junk food. You can't really call it junk food, can you? It's really good. It is. It's absolutely it's fantastic. Really so come to our V, Kensal Rise... Definitely go there. They do a lunchtime special, which is like a start on main course for about 12 quid. Or you could just get loads of small plates and just go crazy. Wicked. Which well, we I'm going to eat the rest of this nugget. Um, and is there so, anything else that you've been scoffing? Um, well, I was very lucky, actually. So I've been to Berlin. So Berlin, as we talked about in, I think, in the last episode, mm. some people claim is actually the vegan capital of the world. Well, maybe, maybe not. But there's certainly a lot of vegan food. It's very easy to be a vegan in Berlin. But it's probably... You know, similar, I guess, to being in sort of East London in terms of the number of restaurants that are vegan or vegan friendly. Um, and pretty much everywhere you go, you're getting uh, alternatives on kind of, um, you know, of, of German food. So, for example, okay. there's a Donner Kebab place, a vegan Donner Kebab place called Vonna. Um, then there are lots of places that will do. Um, um, what do you call the funny sausages? Bratwurst. Bratwurst. So you get vegan bratwurst in lots of places as oh, well. Okay. You know, and they give it to you with, you know, vegan mayonnaise and all the rest of it. So, you know, really, really good. Um, so the two places probably I'd recommend. One is Cookies and Cream, which is a very established like, vegetarian restaurant that does fantastic vegan food, really interesting selection. And then the other is in um, a place called um, 1990 Vegan Living, which is in, I'm going to again screw up the pronunciation on this, but it's in Friedrichshain, Friedrichshain, pretty much every restaurant in that area. And there are like streets and streets of them will have a lot of vegan options. And there are about five or six vegan restaurants. The one that everyone is talking about at the moment is actually a Vietnamese one called 1990 Vegan Living. And we just had like a, a you know really interesting selection of of you know all kinds of stuff, so fried tofu-y things, like satay type things. I mean, it is ostensibly mm. Vietnamese, but it's kind of Vietnamese with other yeah. kind of oriental stuff going on there. You know, if you're in Berlin, if you get a chance to go, yeah. definitely go down there. I mean, it is just there's so much really, really good stuff. Mm. So that's pretty much what I've been scoffing. What Great. about you? Um, I, like I said, mine's a bit, bit more low-key than yours. I haven't been anywhere. I've been staying in the house, hibernating and trying to eat... Taming your dog. Yeah, taming my dog and attempting to... Um, Live inexpensively and eat healthily. Although, actually, having said that, the thing that I have been scoffing, which is probably not very healthy at all, is um, obviously, as you know, I'm a fan of the Wicked Kitchen range in Tesco. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have brought out a new lasagna, which I thought I'd try. It's called just the pesto lasagna. And I have never... That sounds like a bad start. Well... It sounded appetising to me. I mean, okay. maybe you don't think that sounds appetising. Pe- pesto and lasagna, not really but sure. But I used to like pesto. Like, you know... Yeah, I, I like it, but, you know, and, not lasagna. You know, I just thought, 
well, I'll give it a go. It looked really nice. It was covered in seeds. I love seeds. It was kind of just looked like a nice lasagna. Anyway, brought them home, cooked them. We both had them. And uh, it was, I think, one of the weirdest and most unpleasant vegan things that I have eaten. Very genuinely. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was full of cauliflower and potato Ooh. and pasta. The but there was no, sh- there was no sauce of any kind to speak of. It was yeah. kind of dry. And so it was very sort of flaccid and just bland it sounds like a carbohydrate frenzy going on it was it was just it was it was exactly like that it's it's kind of one of those weird things because i think a lot of the supermarkets at the moment they're all jumping on the vegan bandwagon which you know brilliant fantastic yeah however um they're all quite often doing quite experimental things or their chefs are doing experimental things and, you know, fair play to them for doing that, because if they didn't have that, you know, we wouldn't be having all this weird banana blossom stuff and jackfruit yeah. and everything. So it's great that people are yeah. experimenting. I guess if they're taking a risk, they're going to end up getting it wrong at some point, aren't yeah, they? So exactly. I'm not going to abandon them. I still love everything else that they do. Okay. Um, but this one was a bit of a miss. The other thing that I have actually not eaten yet, but I've been thinking about eating, okay. is um, in the interest of kind of convenience and looking for fast uh, food on the go if you're busy at work or if you just really need the help that week is I've been looking into these vegan subscription boxes okay all plants yeah all plants is one yep um I've actually just received my delivery of vibrant vegan okay um and uh I really like vibrant vegan because I had a bit of a um a different twist on it in the sense that they um are uh, also they give money to charity um and that kind of thing as well so like a little bit of every box that you buy goes towards charity which is great um and so i've got six of those and i'm going to be trying those and actually they were billed as a high protein box mm. so very much relates to what we're talking about um and hopefully fingers crossed they'll be delicious so i'll be reporting back on that on the next episode On each episode of our podcast, we discuss what we're curious about. So we have got something we're very curious about this week, and it's an article that has been in many newspapers, a story that broke this week, um, which might actually give you a genuine reason to look forward to Brexit. (laughs) Really? No. Oh, yeah. Come on then, what is it? All right, okay. So basically... um, the EU Agricultural Committee have been meeting. Stay with in, me. In their wisdom. In I'm, their already, wisdom. I'm already falling asleep. Um, so, yeah, okay. It doesn't sound very exciting. No. Um, but anyway, so they've been discussing a proposal which, you know, hasn't come from the meat industry at all. Nothing to do with the meat industry, which is all about actually um, about food labelling. And they've actually put recommendations which are going to be voted for you know, by the kind of EU General Council fairly soon and almost certainly will get through that um, in Europe or in the EU at least you won't be able to have uh, you won't be able to call anything that um, that isn't meat based uh, a burger a sausage or a steak oh my god so you've just basically anything like you know veggie burger vegan burger forget it it's going to be veggie disc or you know (laughs) sorry wait a minute it's going to be a veggie disc. Well, this is... You know, a, that a burger is going to be called a disc. Well, what, you know, basically one of the... I can't remember which, who it was, but one of the uh, one of the, the uh, Eurocrats, whatever, very condescendingly said, oh, it's a great opportunity for, uh, for people to, uh, you know, be creative about what they call this stuff. 
Um, and and then suggested that they call it vegan discs. Yeah, basically right. veggie discs. But I mean, okay. So, oh my god, I can't believe this whole labelling thing is. is well, well, we talked about this before, didn't we? Yeah. With what was going on but with La Fromagerie. Yeah, okay, so, all right, why are they doing this? So the reason why they're giving why they're doing it, they say 80% approval in the Agricultural Committee, of which probably 100% of them there were meat eaters anyway, is basically because they're concerned that um, people will wander into supermarkets and they'll see, you know, a, a vegan steak and think it's meat and buy it and then get home and be really, really pissed off. So how many times in your life have you ever wandered into a supermarket and got confused in that way? Well, you know, like not once, obviously, because I have my eyes open and I'm... And you're an intelligent person. Yeah, we're all sentient beings. We should be able to actually distinguish between something that is meat and not meat. Well, so back in the real world, it's obviously some kind of backlash against the, you know, the fact that veganism is becoming more and more popular. Um, and, you yeah. know, bizarrely, it's a Europe-wide thing. So I think with vegetarianism in the olden days, you know, pre-the internet and all the rest of it, tended to be quite a North European thing. But, you know, there's a lot of veganism growth in countries like Spain and mm. France, you know, and Italy, where they've obviously got much more of a tradition of kind of, you know, eating meat and dairy. Um, you know, it's, it's very much, the, you know, seen as the core part of their cuisine. Maybe in the UK and Germany, we're just a bit less fussed about it because we eat more international food or our mm. own or our own cuisine's pretty crap anyway. So, yeah, I think but that's I just, where the backlash has come from. My issue with all of this, though, is that it's sure, surely the whole point of this is that people have a choice, that you give people a choice and that you don't try and, you know, like artificially create a situation where if they go into a supermarket looking for a steak, then they get a steak. They should be able to have a choice between a plant-based one and a regular one. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think that um, in some ways, I'm, I, I'm happy with a vegan cheese, Monica. I'm happy with a vegan steak because yeah. I think you're right. If it encourages more people to eat that stuff, you know, this kind of stuff, to give up meat... It's totally fine. Who cares? You know, we've got centuries, um, or maybe not, yeah, centuries of eating food in a certain way, Mm. which is like, you know, you've got your vegetables here, you've got some kind of meat thing there and all the rest of it. You know, culturally, that's what we've grown up on. And, you know, Mm. food, people's palates are not going to evolve overnight. Um, So I think, you know, it makes total sense. The one thing I think that, you know, so anyway, just going back to it, even though we potentially might not be in the EU in a month time, year's time, whatever. Yeah. And apparently it's like to go through in the summer and apparently the UK will still be a member of the EU because we or we still have to I think we're we're following their regulations for about a year or so. Yeah. So it will still affect us. So it will mean in the UK the vegan burger is dead. You you know, they have to call it something else. But but you can't call it a vegan disc. That doesn't mean anything. Well, I just thought to like, what what are you going to call vegan cheese? What would you call Gary. it? Gary. Do you remember it was called Gary, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was called Gary. There was one called I, Gary. You know, I think the, the thing that actually makes this so ridiculous and relevant, I mean, firstly, it's like sh- shutting the stable door after the horse has actually just kind of... Bolted. Bolted, yeah. totally. But secondly, mm. if you think about a lot, and we talked about this with the Death of Meat film last week, an awful lot of the innovation in 
veganism in burgers and all the rest of it is coming from the US. Yeah. Uh, and also to a lesser degree, you know, Australia as well and uh, some parts of Asia and, yeah. you know, and, and India. And these countries are not going to go, oh, the EU has banned the words vegan burger or vegan sausage or tofu steak. We must do it too. So they're not going to change that. So if they're not going to change it, people are still going to call it vegan burgers, veggie burgers, whatever. But the thing is, is people will... No, so I don't agree. I think people will call it that regardless. If I walk into a, into a shop and I see a vegan disc, I will pick it up and I will say, this is the vegan burger that I'm going to eat tonight. Okay. I'm not, not going to like go no, around and start calling disc. it a disc or a, or a Gary or whatever else it might be. Um, so have you got any alternative uh, you know, monikers for vegan sausages then? <laughs> Hello, plant fingers. <laughs> well, that sounds awful. Um, but actually, this is this topic is related to something else that I was reading about this week. Uh-huh. Um, and actually, again, it's about supermarkets. So one of the things that's happened is that Tesco um, is going to sell more vegan food in the meat aisle. Mm. Right? Really? Yeah, to promote sustainability. And okay. to kind of encourage people to eat a more balanced diet. How do you feel about this? Uh, I'm not massively happy about it. I can see the rationale behind it. So the idea is, is that you walk in there, okay, then you see the vegan food and yeah. then you see the meat food. Why are Tesco doing this? Okay, all right, number one, there's obviously demand for vegan food. Number two, possibly at this moment in time, they are charging a bit more. There's more of a markup on vegan food, definitely at the moment. Yeah. Hopefully in time that's going to change. So you can see the rationale for them doing it. Um, and also, yeah, it makes them look good. It makes them look like, oh, look at us. Yeah. We're flexitarian. We're promoting uh, food that maybe has less of a carbon footprint, that's healthier, that, you know, hasn't been anywhere near an animal. Brilliant, great, thanks. Do you know what? I really, really don't want to have to walk past a load of dead animals to get to my vegan veggie discs or whatever. It's just, <laughs> I, you know, I hate that. I like, I mean, so like a lot of supermarkets, Waitrose and the others, they will have their own vegan section. Yeah. And I get, you know, I just think that makes much more sense, really. And I also think there's a curiosity. I think people are walking past those sections and going, oh, I've heard about this. They're doing a load of vegan stuff. What's here? Let's have a look. Whereas if you just plonk it next to the meat, they'll just kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe. Oh, so I just don't agree at all. Really? <laughs> no, I just think. How dare you? I, yeah, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? But, um, I don't think people walk past it and think, oh, that's interesting. I'll just mosey over and have a look. I, honest to God, I most people will just blaze on past it, think that it's not for them, assume that it's full of like weird tofu discs and then just, just mosey on to the meat section. I think if you present people with a real genuine choice and, and it's in the place where they wouldn't expect it to be. So if you go down the meat aisle or whatever and mm. you sort of... I mean, maybe it needs to maybe it needs to be relabeled. Maybe it shouldn't be called the meat aisle. Maybe it should be called the <laughs> the, the protein aisle or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you say right here's here's some hex sausages that you can get. They're made of green stuff. They taste delicious. Here's some other pig sausages that you can get. Cumberland sausages or whatever. Yeah. Make your choice. Surely that's what this is all about because it's not like if if we continue to segregate the vegan food in a supermarket from everything else then it will never get the mass kind of mainstream pickup because it won't feel like it will still feel quite niche so i mean and the thing is if it's niche it's never going to change the world no but then i think you know you're looking in a very short term way i think longer term you know i mean I just what you just think that people are going to start eating more vegan food and 
yeah, their I, own volition. Know, yeah, I, th- I think therefore... so. You know, I think generally, I think, you know, they'll be spurred onto it. You know, I think, I know you believe this too, but I think people are spurred onto it by, you know, number one, it's obviously happening and the, the availability, but people are thinking more about mm. climate change as well. You yeah. Know, the rise of flexitarianism. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the kind of people who may be more predisposed to eating vegan fo- food will go and see that. But just, you know, but everybody, everyone is talking about this whole idea about, you know, they need to be eating more vegetables, you know, and this is like a way that they might do it. So somebody might think, you know what, I'm going to go and buy a Linda McCartney vegan burger. That's three of my five a day, you know, which obviously isn't the case. But, you know, maybe that's how people, some people might think about it. Um, so I, oh, I, you know, I just don't just like the idea. About it, are you? Oh, I don't want to see dead chickens ever. Would you know what you could do? What's I'm that? sure that they wouldn't be like um, get someone in, else in... to do my shopping. No, yeah, well, there's that as well. But they probably wouldn't be intermingled. I think they're just saying they're in the same aisle, so you could yeah. just walk down half the aisle, then turn around and go back the other way. I'd be really interested to see what people who listen to this podcast think about it. Actually, yeah, you know. I think it's quite a divisive topic, actually. And I, but I just. I just think that people who, the people that need to be making uh, more balanced choices and eating more vegan food are the people that are eating like meat for every single meal of the day and are in the meat aisle all the time. And maybe they don't even think about it. So actually, if it was right there, then maybe they would. And maybe they would think, well, maybe I'll make one of my... But but those people aren't going to go, oh, I'm going to have mushrooms now, are they? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Come back in 20 years' time. Apparently, as cited in this article, um, 21% of UK households have reduced their meat intake. Yeah, so it's a bit, you know, okay, so that's, it is that's quite a big number, but then, mm. as I say, all those people I think are more predisposed to doing that anyway. And I think they would then go, oh, look, there's a shiny new vegan section at the moment. Let's go and find out what they've got. And they're all oh, look, that looks interesting. I'm going to have cauliflower, jackfruit, banana blossom. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Something well, like I mean, agree to disagree. Gemma Collins has this week hey, announced. Wait a minute, who's Gemma Collins? <laughs> Should I know this person? Um, y- yes, she's from Towie. Okay, no, I can't. You know, know the only way is Essex. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. have you watched it? Um, probably about three minutes worth of it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so bit of backstory on Gemma Collins. She basically said that she was going vegan on the show at the end of last year, November, I think it was. Yeah. And in fact, I think she said that she was kind of half and half. She was half vegan, half not. But okay. then she's progressively become... Be half vegan? Then? Okay. I don't know. But she's progressively become more vegan. Um, and she credits her weight loss to her vegan lifestyle. So she's lost two stone. Wow, okay, that's good. Um, in how long? Uh, so what would that be... Six months. Wow, that's going some then. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? And obviously, you know, she's been working out as well and, and taking care of herself. But she posted on Instagram um, and everybody has been really supportive. I think she wanted to start leading a more healthy lifestyle. So what sort of stuff has she been eating then? Do you know? Well, no, the stories don't really say what she's been eating. But I think she must be under a nutrition. Jack yeah, fruit. probably not <laughs> jackfruit. And <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but you know you never know I don't I don't really know exactly what she's been eating but it did make me curious about okay whether eating a vegan diet does help you to lose weight if you want to lose weight okay. obviously in the right way and yeah. in the healthiest way okay what do you think well okay right so I would say that uh, you know I'm uh, not the slimmest person on the planet fat gay <laughs> vegan stunt double potentially not really. No. Um, 
I I remember I so I, I've been a vegetarian most of my adult life. Okay, I went vegan five years ago, and I remember thinking I'm going to lose weight. I'm definitely going to lose weight. You know, it's going to happen. And sure enough, I probably lost about three quarters of a stone in about a month and a half. Mm, wow. um, it just did literally drop off. Mm. Now, and um, bear in mind that before that, I was probably chomping down on the cheese the whole time. Yeah, a lot of dairy. There was a lot of probably. Uh, kind of processed fat in my diet and then you know for example if you had Lynn McCartney burgers go for the ones with mozzarella you know so there's all that stuff that I'd stopped eating um, and I think as well five years ago it was kind of the time before there was a lot of for one of the word processed vegan food available mm. so I was suddenly like what am I going to eat okay so there was a lot of kind of healthy stuff and it was probably the healthiest I'd eaten probably in my whole life yeah um, at the same time I was to be fair as well, I was exercising a, a lot. Um, so, yeah, I did lose that weight. And I think the experience of a lot of people I've known who've transitioned from vegetarian to vegan diet mm. is they have lost weight. You know, it's almost been quite organic. However, um, without giving too much weight, um, yeah, I, some of that weight has come back. Yeah, I mean, basically, I think... You know, it coincided with all of a sudden the arrival of What the Pitter, uh, which is the vegan craft <laughs> shop, the widespread availability of fried jackfruit yeah. and, and you know, and all the rest, and lots of Satan becoming available. And, you know, I've ended up eating a lot more kind of processed junk food. Yeah. Because I can. And because it's convenient, right? Yeah. So yeah. is that your experience or is that what you think? Um. Mm, I sort of, not not quite. I guess I definitely agree with the first part of what you said, which was that when people go vegan initially, you lose weight. And I think that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, and I think people obviously just go, okay, I'm going to eat lots of healthy food and I'm going on a bit of a health kick. Oh, I'll try veganism or whatever. You know, it probably coincides with a lot of other healthy habits. Yeah. Um, so, yes, definitely. Initially, when I went vegan, I did lose a bit of weight. My other half lost quite a lot of weight, actually. Yeah. Um, and you become leaner and you get healthier. But then but then after that, I think I think honestly, losing weight or becoming healthier or, you know, training a lot is actually just as difficult on a vegan diet as it is on a regular diet. In fact, you know what? If you so if for example, if your objective was to like build muscle yeah. and to be in the gym, then actually the reality is it's it's probably slightly easier if you're a carnivore, if you're eating meat. Because there's much more things that are available to you. That, so that you can get the protein, nutrition, etc. that you need. Yeah. I know that there's this whole argument about whether you can get enough protein from a vegan diet, and I think you absolutely can, but it's quite hard work. You do have to think a lot about what you're eating. So we're really excited today to have a special guest, and our special guest is Laura Scott, who is a vegan, obviously, and also an ultra-endurance cyclist. Um... So hang on, what's the difference between a, an endurance cyclist and an ultra-endurance cyclist? <laughs> it's a good question because I think it's probably subjective. Um, I'm going to go ultra-endurance is sort of anybody who's doing multi-day or 100-mile-plus um, rides every day back-to-back. Uh, so I've done a lot of ultra-events, which include the Transamerica, which is 4,400 miles across the States. And I did Transatlantic Way last year, which is 2,200 kilometers um, around the coast of Ireland, which was spectacular. Yeah, and hard and terrifying. Yeah, it's, and... it's really, really hilly. Like, everybody kept telling me it was hilly, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, yeah, like, but people it is. try and freak you out. And then I got there, and I was like, oh. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> these are these are actual hills. I think I ended up doing the equivalent of cycling up Everest three times in eight days. Wow. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So that's the I difference. Did, I, between... <laughs> I did walk up a few hills, I'm not going to lie, because I think it gets to a point where you're like, do I like my knees and do I want to be able to walk when I'm old? But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Great. So um, look after your knees, everyone. Very important. Um, so thanks for the background. One of the things that I wanted to ask you first off the bat is, what is the most annoying question that people ask you when you tell them that you're a ultra-endurance cyclist and you're a vegan? I think people are just immediately surprised because obviously when you're doing any kind of ultra event it's really easy to run a calorie deficit so for example I did a event called the Brian Chapman Memorial which happens in Wales every year and it's about 620 kilometers through in one go um so we did it in 26 hours um and I burned close to 12,000 calories in that period of time. Wow. So when you think about, you know, what the recommended calorie allowance is for women, it's like 2,000-ish, right. 2,500, I think. Yeah, it uh, is. I might... 2,500, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of lentils you'd have to eat then it in is. order to... <laughs> yeah. And so I think people are kind of immediately like, oh, okay, so how are you doing this? Um, and people are like, well, what about recovery and protein? Because everyone obviously is so used to their protein shake right after they work out. And, totally. You know, what you're told by the protein industry, protein shake industry. And so I think people are always a bit surprised. They're like, well, how do you recover? And it's like, well, realistically, on an event like that, if you're doing it multi-day, you're not recovering until the end of it anyways. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's great. I just get to eat as many Oreos as I want. I like, <laughs> <laughs> I is, that, is that your favorite <laughs> accidental vegan food, then? It is. It really is. I always joke. I'm like, I should be sponsored by Oreos because I talk about them so much. Um, it fits really well in a cycling pocket because of the shape. So it's uh, right, quite accessible. Yeah. Um, and they're in most gas stations and garages. So it's one of those easy things to always find yeah. in most countries. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean... That is sometimes the challenge is you're not getting to eat like very nice food. Um, there's yeah. sometimes when you're out and you're like, I do not want to eat another Oreo if my life depends yeah. on it. And other times you're like, this is great. I've eaten three packets today and I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, when, you, when you're not racing, yeah. when you're not actually doing your ultra endurance cycling and eating all your Oreos, do you, um, <laughs> how do you get enough protein? Because that is one of the main questions that I think some people who don't, understand veganism and plant-based food and culture they kind of ask that question yeah and I think that for you in particular it must be kind of a challenge um with people asking you so so where do you where do you get your protein from and is it an issue do you think it's a non-issue and it's just a, <laughs> something that people get really upset about for no reason um, I think it's the last option there it was really funny a few years ago I spoke on a panel for Vivolution which is a vegan festival that takes place here in London and it was sort of split between cyclists and bodybuilders um and it was so funny because all the cyclists were like uh like we just eat what we want carbs like carbs are god like that's the main thing you just need to get in um and all the bodybuilders are like i have this like my macros my micros like this much protein like yeah at these times a day i mean to a degree you like you do need to worry about recovery and everything like it's it is something i consider in my training especially in the days where i'm training for an event um But at the same time, I think a lot of it is just kind of lobbying. I mean, it's a huge industry, food supplements, and a lot of the proteins are really cheap and easy to manufacture and Mm -hmm. are filled with tons of crap that you don't need. Yeah. Um, You know, like the whole thing of you need to have a protein shake within 40 minutes of finishing exercise. It's not true. Your body can absorb protein 
for, you know... Hours afterwards, yeah. Exactly, and I think that's a really key thing is that if you're if you're worried that you're not getting enough protein and you're counting all your protein you probably are getting enough protein because it's just you know we don't actually need as much as as people would make you believe yeah exactly if i had a quid for you know everybody normally fellas actually say that you know Mm. that you know are you getting enough protein i'd be a rich man yeah (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) um so in cycling are you kind of unique um, no, or are there actually, lo- lots of people that are doing the same thing. I think it's more the in the ultra endurance sport. Yeah. Um, so not necessarily just ultra cyclists, but runners as well. You see a lot of veganism within sort of any ultra endurance sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke on a panel the other week, and there was four of us, and three of us were vegan, and oh, really? all ultra cyclists. And no, that's super interesting. Why do you think that is? I think it comes down to the recovery side of things. So mm. plant-based proteins, so despite what I just said, protein does help your muscles recover. And plant-based proteins are easier to break down and your body gets through the nutrients within plant-based products a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've cycled 200 miles and you eat a steak and then have to get up and cycle 200 miles again, your body is going to be working really hard to break that down and get the nutrients out of it. So from a recovery perspective, it's a lot quicker. And I've spoken to other sort of ultra athletes and they found the same thing, that it's the difference between when they were eating meat and yeah. when they went vegan and their recovery just through the roof differences. Really? Yeah. So it's it, in terms of recovery, do you mean um, like muscle soreness and things like that, like DOMS as people call it? Or do you mean um, being able to actually just get back on the bike and do a really good job a little bit of both i mean if i'm if i've stopped if my event's over and i get to rest it is about like making sure your legs feel okay and you can walk to work the next day yeah Um, which is always nice because you know unfortunately (laughs) gotta get to work occasionally (laughs) yeah um but yeah it is especially within ultra events because you you are talking about day after day you know Mm -hmm. like something like the transamerica um, I didn't finish it because I was hit by a car, which is a long story. But um, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I cycled two thousand two hundred miles of it, and I was expe- I think that took me about eighteen days. So I was okay. expecting that to take me like a month plus, basically. Um, wow. And so you know, if you're out riding over hundred miles every day for yeah. a month, there is risk of muscle breakdown. Um, yeah, your your body uses your fat stores and then it starts to look for energy elsewhere, which is in your muscles. So you yeah. need to be recovering to make sure that that doesn't happen and getting the right nutrients to, yeah. to prevent that breakdown. Because obviously as soon as your muscles start to break down, a whole other host of problems, problems occur. Yeah. When you are training and when you're, I guess, doing a race or an event or something, are there specific times of day that you eat? For me, I've now realized that it's basically about every two hours I need to eat something. Right. It doesn't need to be big. Like it can just be a bite of my granola bar or whatever I've got with me, but just something to keep those sort of like mm. carb and energy levels topped up, which is yeah. where my handy pack of Oreos comes in. <laughs> you know, have a cookie and then keep right. going. Um, and then that makes a big difference. And then I still, you know, on a big event, like we'll still stop and eat lunch, still stop and eat dinner and have like my main meals, but you're just that two hours kind of yeah. every two hours on the event than you're eating um in everyday life I'm not doing that yeah (laughs) Um, yeah it's very hard to taper down from it sometimes like I think in the days after a big event I kind of want to eat constantly what kind of advice would you give people about how to build the right kind of vegan diet that supports um health well-being and fitness more generally yeah I think that's a good question um I mean there's so many websites out there now which are really helpful and 
even just a lot of websites that break down the nutritional value of food. Like I use uh, Minimalist Baker loads and she breaks down. Oh, I love down, Minimalist Baker. Yeah, yeah. probably my favorite because it's easy. All her recipes are fairly straightforward. Exactly. And, like the last thing I want to do when I've come in from training is think about like what overly complicated meal I'm going to make. Like, yeah, I just completely. want simple food. Yeah. Um, and everything's really tasty, but it has the nutrient breakdown. Yeah. So it's really easy. Like when people are asking you how many carbs and protein, like to make sure you're getting those meals that have the right nutrients for you. Mm-hmm. There's also lots of um, like fitness tracking apps now as well. Yeah. I use one called LifeSum and they actually let you select vegan as well. So um, oh, okay. They'll do a like nutritional breakdown of what you should be getting in an average day based on a vegan diet. It just helps you keep track. And like mm-hmm. the thing is, like I'm one of those people. Like I'm really bad about it. I just I'm not great at counting calories or those things. I don't yeah. really care. Um, but I think just making sure you're getting the right iron, the right yeah. potassium and magnesium, um, which can be things that athletes often don't have enough of. Yeah. And then just being aware of like the foods that you should eat them with, like. There's a lot of nutrients that won't be absorbed if you have coffee at the same time. So, Really? Yeah. Um, and loads of little things like yeah. that. So it's just kind of like doing a little research. And there's so many great nutritionists out there who are, yeah. like, who are not even vegan themselves who are writing about this. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think like that's would be my first bit of advice. When I became vegetarian, I was... Uh, 12 years old and my parents made me read a book on vitamins because they're like if you're gonna do this you need to do it properly um which I'm kind of really grateful for now because it did help give me at least a bit of an understanding of what I needed to be aware of and yeah it's just buying like you know the right fortified milks and things so like ones that have you know b12 B12 so it's just not substituting meat for like fake meat it's finding what beans and lentils and legumes you can add into your meals and then if you're doing that you're not going to struggle yeah so do your research and make sure you've got enough resources and then you should be fine yeah and easy recipes <laughs> yeah absolutely more minimalist baker yeah i feel like we're giving that a real plug yeah. but it's great um okay great thank you very very much no um you've been an excellent guest and we'll see you next time thanks in your meals nothing tastes as good as being vegan feels come join us if you're vegan curious Don't feel sad, don't feel blue So it ain't so bad, I swear it's true Just use the right condiments And you'll even like tofu Don't be furious Just be vegan curious Life is good, life is sweet when on your plate there is no meat Come join us if you're vegan curious Come join us if you're vegan curious